0: Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung here, and I'm in a location not normally where we do a broadcast from, Gordonsville, Tennessee. I'll be here for the First Baptist Church all day Sunday and then on Monday evening for a two-day prophecy conference. Set up temporary studios here so we can talk to our broadcast partners that are scattered across the world. For example, we'll go to John Rude. He's in Bonn, Germany. He's there, not very far out of Brussels, Belgium, uh, where he lived for 30 years, but he's doing investigative operations and helping himself to prepare to be able to report to us the events unfolding in the European Union. That's why we have him as one of our broadcast partners. In just a moment, we're going to go to Ken Timmerman. Now, on Friday... He had lunch with a United States congressman in his district there, the local sheriff, and some others. Again, here is Ken doing research, talking with the United States congressman, getting what the latest is from Washington, so he can be on top of any and every story we confront him with to give us insight into. We'll get to Ken in a moment. said we'll be at the First Baptist Church. That's all day Sunday, first meeting in the morning at 9 o'clock, then 10 o'clock, at 6 p.m. Prophecy Q&A on Sunday afternoon, 6.30, the teaching service on Bible prophecy, and Monday evening, 6 o'clock for the Q&A, 6.30 for the prophecy message. So come and join us, First Baptist Church, Gordonsville, Tennessee. It's a good place, and Ray Gilder, who's the pastor, invites you all to come join us as we study the prophetic Word of God. Well, Ken... Uh, I mentioned that on Friday you had an opportunity to have lunch with the United States Congressman. Boy, these guys have been busy, but it's great to be able to interact some, isn't
1: it? Well, it is, and uh, I love being down in Florida. It's a friendly community, and our congressman here, John Rutherford, is uh, very outgoing, and he likes to meet with his constituents. So uh, this was a great opportunity to meet with him and a local sheriff and uh, to talk about not just impeachment but other things going on uh, locally and nationally.
0: You know, that is so important, I do believe, because these guys are to represent us, not represent necessarily, represent us in Washington. We elect them to be our man or woman who would go there to Washington and speak our thoughts, not necessarily only their thoughts. And, of course, when you meet and have opportunity to talk with them, you can find out where they're coming from, encourage them on the policies we want them to take care of there in Washington. Well, that was great. I think everybody ought to follow that example. Well, let's get to the stories. And still in Washington, the Pentagon saying that Iran's missiles are unrivaled in the Middle East, even Israel. Boy, that says they are pretty powerful. And as they develop that nuclear weapon, they're going to be more powerful, aren't they?
1: Well, that's right. Now, what happened is that the Defense Intelligence Agency this week released a new report. Uh, it's been doing these reports on Iran's military power for the past three years. So this is the second installment of this report. So they go through the Iranian military capabilities, what they're doing, uh, what their ideology is, and are they able to project power? And clearly, missile capabilities is, is the key thing for them today. In addition to the Quds force, which gives them boots on the ground in Syria and Iraq. And as you say, uh, the Pentagon has confirmed what we all know, which is that Iran's missile forces, which are not just based in Iran proper, but are in Lebanon, in Syria, and in Gaza, aimed at Israel, are by far and away the most powerful and most numerous, certainly, of any missile force in the Middle East. They've got 120,000 at least missiles bracketed, on Israel that dwarfs anything the Israelis have got.
0: Did you hear what uh, Ken had to say They're there? They're located, those missiles, in Gaza. And that would be under the usage by the Islamic Jihad, who sent at least 448 into Israel. Good to keep this information going. By the way, uh, they started their development of a nuclear weapon of mass destruction with the technology and then the technicians from Russia. And as we look at it today, Ken, Russian arms going into the Middle East, almost unstoppable.
1: Well, that's right. And the Russians are very aggressive in their expansion into the Middle East. And it's not just uh, arms sales, although those are very, very important. They are trying to essentially replace the United States. In several countries, such as Turkey, now that the Trump administration has has refused to sell Turkey, the F-35, our latest self-fighter bomber, because the Turks bought the Russian air defense missile, the missile defense uh, missile, the S-400, which could spy on the F-35. So we refused to sell them the F-35. So now the Turks are going to Moscow to get new aircraft, the Su-35, the Sukhoi-35, Egypt is also in that position. So the Russians are expanding arms sales and expanding their position on the ground. You see now Russia reconstituting this alliance that it had in the Middle East during the Cold War, when, remember, Gaddafi in Libya was a client, Assad in Syria was a Russian client, Saddam Hussein in Iraq was a Russian client. That ended after the Cold War, but now uh, Putin is trying to reconstitute that alliance so we're going back it's kind of like back to the future jimmy we're going back to the to the 70s or the early 80s with russia and the united states facing off in the middle east
0: and we've already talked about russia giving support with their missiles and also the atomic weapons, the weapons of mass destruction to Iran. They are passing along that technology, those weapons, to the Houthis, who are a proxy organization for Iran there in Yemen, just below Saudi Arabia, and putting them in a position where they now say that they can hit vital targets deep inside Israel. Boy, this is only... Enhancing the capability of Iran and others to go after the Jewish
1: state. That's right. So the anti Israel alliance is being led by Iran, not by Russia. Is that the Russians in the Cold War were supporting all of the states who were against Israel, and the Russians were anti Israel. Today, it's not quite the same. You have um, Putin and uh, the Russian military in Syria who are essentially green lighting Israeli airstrikes on Iranian bases. In Syria, so there is a very major difference between now and the Cold War. Now you mentioned the Houthis in Yemen. This is very significant. This is a recent statement this past week by one of the Houthi generals saying that they also are part of the anti-Israel alliance. That was not the case just weeks ago. They had never made any statements that I'm aware of uh, about Israel. So this is the first time we see the Houthis joining a political strategic alliance with, led by Iran against the Jewish state.
0: Haven't looked at Libya in a long time, especially with the absence of Colonel Gaddafi. But when we think about the fact that Russia is getting involved there in Libya, should America be much concerned about that, Ken?
1: Well, so Russia, again, is pushing. It's in Syria. They are now going into northern Syria to take over a small civilian airfield in Kamishli along the Turkish border. They just this past week sent troops there and are, are, are starting to uh, work on extending the runway so they'll be able to base Russian fighter bombers in northern Syria. In Libya, they have signed up now to support General Haftar. This is the uh, former Qaddafi general who has defeated ISIS in his part of Libya, in Benghazi and eastern Libya, and uh, the Russians are supporting him against this loose-failed EU and UN supported government in Tripoli. I've got to tell you, Jimmy, I I kind of see this differently than a lot of analysts. Uh, People think that Donald Trump is ceding the Middle East to the Russians. I don't think that that's really the right way to look at this. I think I think the president looks at this and says, hey, if the Russians want to go into places like Syria and places like Libya and restore law and order and defeat the jihadi Islamist guerrilla groups, their terror groups, hey, why not? That is not a conflict with America. That is actually Russia doing our bidding and accomplishing one of our security goals. Now, true, the Russians will then have a foothold in those countries, but as I said before, they had those footholds in the, much more powerfully during the Cold War in the seventies and the eighties. So I don't I'm not quite sure that we have a great deal to fear from that today remains well, to be seen. But I am not one of those fear mongers saying the Russians are everywhere. Watch out for the Russian encroachment in these different parts of the Middle East. My my real uh, touchstone would be how is Putin's relationship with the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu or somebody else? They have had a very good relationship up, up until now. If that relationship sours, then we could go into some. A very different strategic situation.
0: And I basically agree politically, but again, I have to think about my DVD documentary, President's Politics and Prophecy. And the Lord has always and will continue, even in the end times, to use political leaders to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. And uh, it seems like Russia and all of its cohorts found there in Ezekiel 38 lining up, ultimately to turn against the Jewish state. Talk to me about Iraqi spy chief warning that Islamic State is rebuilding. We don't have but a couple of seconds. What do you know about that?
1: Well, this is something that I reported on last year when I was in Mosul uh, at the end of 2018 and spoke to one of their intelligence uh, chiefs uh, at that time. Uh, It's not a surprise. What's surprising is just to see that this particular general who heads the federal intelligence uh, organization, uh, General al alak is saying this publicly. He's saying that ISIS is, is uh, basing in Turkey. Uh, it is uh, reconstituting its networks. It has access to money and weapons. We should be very careful about this. This is a, a, a serious warning.
0: Yeah, and I want to tell you, we started this conversation with Ken, He, on Friday, had lunch with his United States congressman there in Florida. We conclude with him going into Iraq, talking to a major player there. So he's been at the area's talk with the people, helping give him him, insight into what is happening in this world. That's why we go to him for geopolitical events unfolding. Ken, thank you so very much for your excellent report. Have another conversation next week.
1: And it's always my pleasure. God
0: bless. We're going to take a break when we come back. David Dolan's standing by. He has a Middle East news update. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. <music>
2: Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy to understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, a Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy Young aid you in your understanding of this profound end times prophecy book that God has preserved in his scriptures for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy Young's Revelation, a Chronology, call us toll free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today, Jimmy DeYoung. I'm here in Gordonsville, Tennessee. We'll be at the First Baptist Church on Sunday and Monday, a two-day prophecy conference. Ray Gilder, who is the pastor, inviting everybody to come. On Sunday, we're going to have two services in the morning, 9 and 10, and then in the evening, 6 p.m., Prophecy Q&A, 6.30, our teaching service. Come join us, First Baptist Church, Gordonsville, Tennessee. That's where our temporary studios are set up right now. Well, we are going to have a very interesting conversation Uh, with David Dolan, the man who covers the Middle East, with his Middle East News update for us. David, three major stories. U.S. policy changed as it relates to the Jewish settlements. Now U.S. saying they are legal. And then number two, General Gantz, Benny Gantz, who is the head of the Blue-White Party, not able to form a coalition government. He gives the mandate back to President Rivlin. And, of course, during the week, the Attorney General of Israel announcing the indictment of Prime Minister Netanyahu. I don't really know where to start. Let's talk about the indictment. Now, he's going to be able, as I understand it, to continue on as Prime Minister. The law of Israel does not require he step down, even though he's been indicted. Unless he's found guilty, he can continue on. Is that your understanding?
3: That is correct, Jimmy. But it is the first time that a sitting prime minister has ever been indicted. You'll recall that there were indictments against Ehud Olmert, but that was after he left office and he was convicted of uh, some crimes. There are three charges against uh, Netanyahu, three different cases, bribery, fraud, breach of trust are the headlines of that but the details 300,000 in gifts that he and his wife reportedly received from two billionaires including Aaron Milchan the Hollywood uh, producer that include uh, cases of cigars for the prime minister champagne for his wife but more serious charges uh, involving two newspapers Yeti Odako note And the Walla news site, and that is that the prime minister was proposing legislation that actually never made it into the Knesset or passed. But was proposing legislation that would be favorable to those two newspapers and websites in exchange for favorable coverage of him in the papers. Those are the allegations. There's some tape recordings that are being used. And Attorney General Mandelblitz said that it was with a heavy heart that he was indicting uh, the Prime Minister, who immediately received a lot of support from his own Likud party. His Foreign Minister Katz backs him. Uh, his defense minister, not a part of his party, Bennett, but also saying he should stay in office. And yes, he can remain in office unless he is convicted. And he vowed to do that. At first, he termed it a coup, attempted coup against him on Thursday evening, soon after the announcement. But on Friday evening, last night, He uh, released a video on his uh, Facebook page to support uh, thousands of people that gathered in Tel Aviv in support of the Prime Minister, and in Jerusalem there were also uh, demonstrations for him, and there were some against him as well, but in which he softened that stance and said, of course, I support the justice system and whatever they find I'll accept, but that this is basically, he's calling it a witch hunt, very similar actually in many ways to what's going on in the United States, but he will remain in office But, of course, uh, the opposition party, Benny Gantz and others, calling for him to immediately resign. And as you say, this comes after Gantz uh, gave back the mandate to form a coalition. He could not do that. And now for the next three weeks, any Knesset member, the 120 members, can try to put together a coalition and uh, announce that they will be the prime minister. Not going to happen, Jimmy, so uh, third round of elections probably coming, and political chaos at a time when Israel really does not need that.
0: Yeah, and in fact, the prime minister will continue on as the individual who is in charge of the caretaker government as prime minister, which is very key because of some of the situation going on between Israel and Syria and Iran. Would that not be the case?
3: It's very much the case, Jimmy. Um, all of the Israeli establishment, the military leaders and the political leaders, very, very concerned over Iran's vow to avenge Israel's massive uh, bombing campaign uh, during the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, in Syria against Iranian targets mostly, but the Syrians opened fire on the Israeli aircraft and missiles that were involved, and so several uh, Syrian positions were also hit, but most importantly, the so called glass house next to Damascus Airport, which houses the Revolutionary Guard leadership in Syria that are stationed in Syria from Iran uh that was bombed for the first time ever and that's like almost bombing the white house or the pentagon in terms of how iran viewed it so they have vowed massive revenge and of course to have a prime minister that's under a political cloud uh during a, such a time is very problematic but uh, Netanyahu vowed that he will continue to defend the country uh, with the support of his foreign minister and his defense minister and the chief of staff and others and that uh, the political, uh, well, he calls it shenanigans going on, will not affect uh, Israel's ability to counter any Iranian action, but it certainly adds to the concerns that Iran will now be even more tempted To uh, carry out that revenge uh, vow, and we could see some dramatic action there in the coming days or weeks.
0: You just reported, David, that when uh, this opportunity goes to the Knesset for somebody to form a coalition government and then become the prime ministers, probably absolutely not going to happen. Uh, That means then Netanyahu will continue on as prime minister if they have to go to a third election, which will probably happen sometime next March. Uh, What about the fact, can Netanyahu run at that point in time? Has he not been found guilty? And he could become the prime minister once again, could he not?
3: Well, Jimmy, the indictment process can take many, many weeks or months even because, of course, there will be challenges by Netanyahu's legal team. There will be a lot of action, back and forth testimonies and all of that. I mean, this is just an indictment. It isn't the trial beginning yet. So, again, very similar to the situation in the U.S., where President Trump, of course, is facing probable impeachment charges and a trial in the Senate. So it'll be going on in both countries, really. But yes, he remains prime minister during that time, as Trump will remain president. And if he wins the court cases, which he believes he will, then nothing will change. He'll remain the head of the Likud party. And that's the important thing, Jimmy. There's nobody else in the Likud. That is challenging his leadership at present, and Yisrael Katz, the foreign minister, is the most likely person to succeed him if he is forced to resign as leader of the Likud party as well as prime minister. Uh, But at present, as I said, he's supporting Netanyahu, so um, he will remain in power and can run as long as he hasn't been convicted again, in the probable elections that are coming up in March, something nobody really wants to see. And again, Jimmy, as I've said before, if we have a major war with Iran that seems increasingly likely now, then a national emergency coalition will probably be set up and Benny Gantz would have to swallow hard and just accept that because uh, the good of the country and the people will demand that, we, you know, that the country focus on that uh, very difficult situation, uh, an existential threat to Israel's existence, really, and uh, not uh, quibble in the midst of that.
0: Well, and into this mix, we have to throw the change in U.S. policy announced last Tuesday by the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, making the statement that Israeli settlements, the Jewish settlements in the area of Judea and Samaria, they are legal. Back in 2015, then the Secretary of State, John Kerry, announced they were illegal The United States changing that policy. How does this fit into everything going on?
3: Well, Netanyahu mentioned that in his Friday night uh, posting on his Facebook page saying, you know, I will uh, implement uh, annexation of uh, all the Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria if I remain in power. And uh, giving that as another reason that he should remain in power. He said this is an historic opportunity that the U.S. has given to Israel, so he wants to do that. Benny Gantz has not said that he would oppose that, interestingly enough, and it is the consensus in Israel, Jimmy, as you know, amongst uh, probably about 70% the polls show of the people believe that the Jewish people have a right to live in Judea and Samaria. This is their ancient biblical heartland. It, of course, was part of the British mandate uh, given to Britain in 1922 by the League of Nations to oversee the formation of a Jewish state in the area. That included Judea and Samaria. Uh, the area was occupied by Jordan and then recaptured by Israel in a war that it didn't start in 1967. And, of course, the settlements have been building up ever since. And they're just not going to leave. You know that. There's, uh, If you include eastern Jerusalem, there's over a million Jews now that are living in areas that are disputed. And that's the point that the Israelis made and that Pompeo made. This isn't occupied territory. It's disputed. But it's clear the Jews are not going to evacuate their holiest land on Earth, and that's just a reality that uh, the U.S. is recognizing now.
0: And you've got to also remember when Ariel Sharon established those Jewish settlements a long time ago, he referred to them as the first line of defense for the nation of Israel. That is the case as well. David, it's so key that we have you on board to go through these unbelievable changing events happening in Israel. Appreciate it, buddy. We'll stay on top of it and have a conversation with you again next week.
3: Glad to do it, Jimmy. God bless.
0: We're going to take a break. When we come back, John Root is standing by. He's in Bonn, Germany. We're going to go to him for our European Union update. That's all ahead right here
2: Please call Joshua Travel today and see how we can make your trip extra special. Call 423-821-3635 or visit us online at joshuatravel.com.
0: Hi everybody, Jimmy Young, and welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move into our second half hour. We're going to be going to Germany in the European Union. We have our man who is going to give us all the details, John Rude standing by there. And then from there, we're going to take our way out to California, talk with Ed Decker. Remember the Mormons that were killed down in Mexico? We're going to get the real story. And Dr. Dondi Young, on Thursday night, there was a meteor shower. I went out to see it. It was too cloudy for me, but... Anyway, we'll talk about meteor showers and how that is a display of the glory of the Lord. All of that on this half hour. I want to tell you that tomorrow here in Gordonsville, Tennessee, where our temporary studios are set up, we'll go to the First Baptist Church for a prophecy conference, two-day prophecy conference all day on Sunday and then on Monday evening. Two services Sunday morning, 9 and 10 and then at 6 o'clock Q&A, 6.30, the teaching service, both on Sunday night and Monday night as well. Ray Gilder invites all of you to come join us as we study the prophetic word of God, First Baptist Church in Gordonsville, Tennessee. All right, let's go to John. John, uh, wow, we talked about it last week. You said you'd be in Germany. You are in Germany. Bonn. Tell me, I can't remember exactly where Bonn is located as it relates to maybe Berlin and also Munich.
4: Well, a very important city, of course, in German history. Bonn was the previous capital, and so this was the home for the diplomatic community, very much as Brussels is the diplomatic community. Bonn is less than a three-hour drive from Brussels, so I would be in and out of uh, Bonn quite frequently, And, of course, now the capital has been moved to Berlin, which is quite a distance and uh, relatively close to Poland.
0: Well, that's a great opportunity for you to be there and renewing some friendships there in that location. We're glad you're able to be there, but it's exciting to have you in the European Union to report on what's going on. And let me start with this major headline It says that Brexit may bring a real end to the British Empire, according to a top European Union official. What do we know?
4: Uh, Donald Tusk is the president of the European Council who will be leaving. So he's, in a sense, the top official. He's come out and said the UK leaving the EU could be a real end of the British Empire. That doesn't really seem to make sense by a statement by itself. But what they're saying is that the United Kingdom will be an outsider, and they need the European Union to survive. So the president of the commission was very clear that uh, he does not expect the United Kingdom to regain influence on the world stage by leaving. And we have British elections December 12, not only the prime minister, but all 650 seats in the House of Commons.
0: Will this make any difference in NATO? Will Great Britain still be a part of NATO? Or should they leave the European Union?
4: Very good point. Leaving the European Union, the United Kingdom would still be very attached to NATO. And indeed, this would be a very important for the electorate in the United Kingdom to realize NATO's a bit under the headlines these days. But the European Union is not able to defend themselves as it is right now. They need NATO, and it will be even less of an effect now that the U.K. is leaving. The EU is scrambling, uh, as always, to try to promote their own military, uh, sometimes at the expense of NATO.
0: Very interesting up and down between the state of Israel and, of course, the European Union, European court has applied a double standard against the Israeli products. I mean, is the European Court a part of the European Union, or what part of the governmental activities of Europe would they play a role in?
4: When you have the uh, European Court of Justice, which is in Luxembourg, they uh, actually work on establishing the law to the EU member states. So if you join the European Union, you actually have 90,000 various laws and regulations for your nation. So they've come out with this uh, double standard against Israeli products to be labeled a certain way. Israeli foreign ministers come out and said there's 200 ongoing territorial disputes in the world, and none of them are being singled out except Israel in this particular situation. So. It does appear to be very clear political and discriminating effect against Israel.
0: Yeah, that's going to have to be watched, because that's a lead-up to the end-time scenario found in God's Word between the revived Roman Empire and, of course, the Jewish state of Israel. Now, Rome, of course, is in the European Union, and Pope Francis has again welcomed to the Vatican a grand imam. I mean, he is continually in close relationships with the Muslims. Are they going to join together? Will they uh, be, a, as he considers it, under his umbrella for a world religion?
4: Very, very good uh, input here. Yes, they have met in uh, Abu Dhabi. I've been there a few times, and they signed a joint declaration, which is stirring up quite a bit of uh, criticism from prominent theologians. It's uh, denoted as devaluating the person of Jesus, undermining the gospel, putting the uh, reference on the plurality of religions, and so forth. The Pope and the Grand Iman, it does appear, of course we know prophetically, that we have a religious system as well as a government system, and the religious system could very well take a form of some type of syncretism uh, between world religions, and this is definitely a step in that direction by the language of the Declaration.
0: Folks, did you just realize why it's so important to have available to us as one of our broadcast partners here at the broadcast table, John Rood? He is in fact in Bonn, Germany today, not very far from where he lived for over 30 years there in Brussels, Belgium. But he gave us reports on some very important issues, the possibility of the British Empire coming apart should Brexit take place, the Pope meeting with an Islamic leader, etc., etc. Well, we'll stay on top of all these stories with John Rood. He's our man covering the European Union. John, have a good sojourn there in Germany. We'll talk again to you next week.
4: Thank you. It's off to Copenhagen, and uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so
1: very much.
0: Very interesting conversation from John Rood, his European Union update. That's a key region of the world, and we look to John to give us his report from where he has been all of this. Thirty last years of his ministry there in Brussels, but uh, this time we caught him in Germany. Great to have him on the ground in Europe at least in a very important report. Well, we have a brand new broadcast partner. His name is Ed Decker. For a number of years, I have been receiving a letter, a email letter a ministry letter. Uh, that has told us about Saints Alive. Now, that is the name of the organization that Ed has started, is the director of, and he has a ministry for those older people of us that are involved (laughs) still in ministry today. I believe Ed's in his 80s. I'm in my, well, 79 years of age, almost to my 80s. But it's great to still be perking, is it not, Ed? God has opened up the door. And
5: um, I'm having my 84th birthday on Monday and, you know, getting older, but wiser sometimes. And we're still seeing fruit. You just can't lay down the ministry because you're getting old.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Now, for many years, you were a Mormon and then you got saved. Talk to us about that.
5: Well, basically, I spent my first 19 years, you know, in nothingness. And I found uh, the Mormons very attractive, and particularly one that I married, and uh, ended up as a Mormon. I spent twenty years as a Mormon. I was a priesthood holder. I held many offices within the local churches. I uh, was a temple Mormon, which meant that I had taken the steps to learn all the signs and secrets to become a god myself, and and have a planet uh, that I would be the god over. I would have many, many goddess wives and and procreate and have spirit babies that would come to my earth and become physical and have a chance to become gods themselves. It's sort of like a a, a spiritual Amway program. <laughs> uh, you know, my God from the earth has a God above him who has a God above him who has a God above him, and somewhere there's a great big God with a with a giant Winnebago, you know, <laughs> coursing through the
0: it's through the heavens. Yeah. Well, you know, we're going to have to spend some time down the road talking about Mormonism, and I'm so glad we were able to make contact with you uh, to focus on the subject I'm going to focus on in just a moment, those Mormons that were killed there in Mexico. But you started the organization Saints Alive. Just a brief point about who they are, what they do.
5: Well, Saints Alive is a sort of a mixed-up group of former Mormons who found the Lord and found out that they were being deceived by the Mormon Church, that we really can't become gods. There already is one, and the job is taken. And when I got saved, as we'll call it, I, I began going back and shouting hallelujah and Jesus saved to my former, well, almost former Mormon people, and, and they excommunicated me for, for heresy, Uh, for talking about the cross and Jesus only and not going to the prophet and to the priesthood as it were God's power was. And so I was excommunicated, and then I began sharing with my friends who were Mormons and then seeing some of them find the Lord, and and, uh, it just got out of hand. I met a guy uh, named Dave Hunt, and Dave and I got talking about uh, putting something together because I was an insider, and then we put together... The godmaker's book and the godmaker's film and we uh we did that in 1982 and and the film is still uh now online and and the the uh, godmaker book is still on the shelves. it has had a great duration because it tells it from the inside out and nobody can disagree jimmy because it actually i did those things
0: yeah yeah well you know what's so exciting to me is Dave Hunt was a very dear close friend of ours in our ministry had him often on the radio with us I know he's now in the heavenlies have not been able to contact him to have an interview but it's the best thing next to have you the co-author of the Godmakers an excellent piece of information for the body of Christ well well again go back and have another conversation about the godmakers down the line but i wanted to talk with you ed about this group of mormons down in mexico that were killed they're they're a bit different than the the ones the mormons that are here in the united states out there in utah are they not
5: well they are they're fundamentalists they believe in polygamy they believe in blood atonement the actual information that went across the nation about oh, these innocent mormons were killed and it was an accidental thing where when the narcotics group and cartel was trying to shoot at another cartel, no, that wasn't what happened. They were particularly and especially targeted by the cartel as a warning to the LeBaron group to stay away from the cartels. They had been doing battle with the cartels since 2009, and it was, it was a, uh, a killing purposely done and everybody talked about the poor Mormons. They forgot to tell us that it's the Labarin group, which is a cult, a fundamentalist, polygamous group down in Mexico. It has tremendous power down there in the area in Chihuahua and huge amounts of wealth. And they believed in blood atonement. They believed in killing people who weren't living up and weren't righteous. Uh, we personally uh, know of one lady that talked to us about the cult. And almost two weeks after that, she was murdered. Uh, it's, it's a very, very vicious cult. Of many people who have been killed, and it all comes back to the Mormon Church. And The Mormon Church says, "Well, we've excommunicated these people." Well, the, the fact of the matter is, is polygamy and blood atonement still is a doctrine of Mormonism? It's in their it's in their religious books. It's in their their holy scriptures. In Doctrine and Covenants one thirty two, deals with the New and Everlasting Covenant, and it says that if you do not abide by this, you will be damned forever. And it talks about killing in there and, and seeing that people are slain. So it's in their scripture, and there are people who believe that in 1890, when the, when the government said you you can't be a state unless you give up polygamy, and they came out with a uh, 1890 manifesto. And at that time, the LeBarons... Uh, the, the the Romneys, all these different groups of people who were involved with polygamy by the thousands went to went to this area of of Mexico. They went up to Canada. I found a group up in northern Montana that are still practicing it and they're still killing people.
0: Wow. Wow wow. Now let me ask you this then. These are not by any definition uh, Christians, true Bible-believing born-again Christians, are they? So we're not talking oh, no, about no. the slaughter uh, they of believed, Christians.
5: Uh, guys like Ervil LeBaron was the one mighty and strong. That basically, that they hold the priesthood and the authority for God upon the earth. They've taken what Joseph Smith and the early Church used to teach about blood atonement and these things. They still practice them because they believe it's the Holy Word of God. And so they practice it. They don't understand Christianity. You know, they talk about the Church of the Firstborn, kind of one of the names they use, but they don't understand it, and they deny Christ. They deny the Holy Spirit. They deny deny the nature of God, deny born again and and salvation through grace of God. God.
0: So then, was this right. was not an attack by the drug cartels in Mexico to go after born again Christians
5: No, 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 this was a battle going on they had they had in fact had kidnapped two of the two of the uh, leaders of the LeBaron group in previous years and the the Lebarons had tremendous power, and they were going after the cartels and shutting down the cartel activities and here you 're looking at a place you know that is Teeming with wealth Mm. and and the cartels are trying to break in and get some of the wealth and so all these people are well armed it's it's a battleground and it was just one thing that came up in the middle of a battle
0: yes now let me ask this In the newsletter that I received from you, and thank you for sending me that newsletter for these many years. Don't know how you got my address, but I'm so grateful I've been getting it and able to read it over the years. But you said, uh, what connection does Mitt Romney, former candidate for president, now a senator from out there in Utah, what connection does Mitt Romney have to this? Is there any connection at all?
5: Well, not to this particular thing. It's just that the Romneys were part of the same group of people that went down to Mexico to continue polygamy. And I guess it's his grandfather, and and then going back to the late 1800s is when the Romneys went down and settled down in the same area of Chihuahua, and they had been practicing polygamy. There's still Mormon polygamist fundamentalist Romneys living down there, unless that flood because of this during the uh, Mexican Revolution around what is it? 1918 or something like that. The Romneys uh, fled. The main group of the Romneys fled back to the United States. Remember George Romney, the, Mich- the Michigan mm-hmm. governor, Right. and they were talking about him becoming president. And there was a whole lot of talk about the fact that he was, like born. In, he had dual citizenship mm-hmm. in Mexico and the U.S. Wow! And wow. There, there was a lot of talk about the fact that you know he's coming from a you know even closer to the dark side of. Of the Romney history so Romney is a a guy that grew up you know for that time period in Mexico and I'm sure he probably won't call you but I think he owns uh, dual citizenship as well
0: Wow well this indeed is opening a bag that we want to dig into find Mm -hmm. out what's in it we want to talk about Mormonism we're going to talk about the connection with the Romneys etc etc so this will be the first what I hope will be a great relationship, partnership with uh, you, Ed. Now, if somebody wanted to receive your newsletter as we're closing the conversation, how would they do that?
5: They just write me at ed at saintsalive.com, an email, ed at saintsalive.com, or just go to saintsalive.com website, and you can contact me through there. But if you contact me now so that I know who is doing the contacting, I will send you an email, uh, a a ebook, which is a very thick book called Decker's Complete Handbook on Mormonism. I take every doctrine of Mormonism from A to Z, and I I give you what the Mormons believe and how and why and all their support, and then I tell you what God says in His Holy Word about it.
4: Wow!
6: So it's
5: been, a, but it's a it's a large volume. Uh, I'd be real happy to. Uh, If you sign up for the newsletter, I'd be delighted to send you a copy. Uh, a copy of this uh, ebook for for free.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I'm already signed up, so please send me one. <laughs> I will. I'd love to have that myself. Ed, thank you so very much. Great insight into actually what's been going on. The news is always not the news when you get into the details, so we appreciate. That's You
5: can't, you know, I don't know who to trust. Absolutely,
0: you know? absolutely. Well, thank you so much, my good friend. We'll have another conversation for sure down the road. It.
5: You have a good day
0: very important conversation with Ed Decker, finding out by his report to us that the Mormons down in Mexico were not as they were portrayed in the media. And in reality, they were fighting the drug cartels down there, and they were endeavoring to try to kill off some of those people over money. Money was the bottom line. Well, We always love to go to Don DeYoung, Dr. DeYoung, who was working there at Grace College in Renona Lake, Indiana, has somewhat semi-retired. He's still teaching some courses there at the college, uh, but now is freed up a little bit to, Don, be able to do some of the things you'd really like to do, right?
7: Well, certainly, Jimmy. We like to travel. We like to write.
0: Well, traveling and writing should be your main focus because you've got so much to give. And as you travel and get an opportunity to speak and then write some of the very important items and stories that uh, you can convey and communicate to people who are interested in what is happening in the scientific world from a biblical and Christian perspective that is really good. Congratulations on your retirement. That'll open you up and we can have you as often as we possibly can get a hold of you. There is an amazing meteor shower that is to take place and it did take place on last Thursday evening. Cloudy here in Chattanooga was not able to see it like I really was anticipating I could, but talk about a meteor shower. What is that, and how amazing was the one that took place on Thursday?
7: Yes, well, Jimmy, uh, as the Earth orbits the sun, it passes through various clouds of debris that are in space. A lot of this debris appears to be comets that have disintegrated. So there are, uh, there are pebbles, they are rocks. Of course, there's lots of room in orbit. And as the Earth uh, passes through one of those clouds, then our gravity sweeps up the particles, they fall through the atmosphere, and then they usually they burn up, they they ignite. In fact, um, these meteors are really the closest thing that we can see in space since they're really in the upper atmosphere, let's say uh, 80 to uh, 100 miles high. But they do light up the sky. Sometimes we call them shooting stars. But, of course, stars don't shoot. They're just uh, small particles falling through the air and vaporizing. Happened several times during the year when we go through one of these um, clouds, and then we have what's called a meteor shower. On occasion, they've been even uh, quite extreme. They call it a meteor storm. They're kind of rare to have a major show, and they're very unpredictable. Jimmy, you never know whether you're going to just see one or two meteors per minute, like you can do any night, or whether you'll start to get um, uh, almost like the sky is falling. It's hard to tell. Now, the one that we had here in November... Cloudy here in the Midwest, so there wasn't much to see. It does take a clear sky, of course, to see these objects.
0: Well, this is not as rare an event as uh, they're promoting in the media.
7: Well, there are dozens of meteor showers during the year, um, major and minor ones. And uh, we have several this fall. Yes, we had the one uh, this week, November. There's even a a more dramatic one in December, and really the brightest one of the year is typically in August. These are just times when uh, uh, clouds that we are passing through have that kind of history. No, the one that we uh, have presently is not all that dramatic, but it is a meteor shower. And you never know um, just how many... uh, Pebbles are going to be in our vicinity, and it can show up and uh, and be very dramatic or be less of a show. Actually, during my uh, years of stargazing, I see more meteors, more of these shooting stars when there's no shower, but just getting away from the city lights mm. on, a, on a clear on a clear night. And another uh, challenge, Jimmy. Uh, the best time to see these is from midnight and on, mm. as the Earth is spinning and orbiting the Sun. We sweep them up after midnight. Before midnight, they have to catch up with us. So the later at night, the more you're likely to see.
0: Are we misusing the term shower? I mean, is it the Earth going through all these items in space, or are they actually falling towards the Earth?
7: Well, these debris clouds are orbiting the sun as well, and what happens is our orbit of our Earth happens to intersect their their orbit. That's when we see them. So everything is moving, uh, the Earth and the particles, but uh, we actually uh, move through there, and we would say we sweep them up, and so our gravity captures them, and uh, so then they fall, they fall through the upper air. Now, some of these particles, Jimmy, are large enough that they do not vaporize, and uh, they'll survive the trip and hit the ground, and then they become a meteorite, and people collect those. Um, these are either made out of metal or rock, and they're, they're rather rare, these rocks from space that can be found on the ground.
0: But all of this, a part of God's creative act there in Chapter 1 on the fourth day, right?
7: Well, it certainly is, Jimmy. And furthermore, um, these meteor showers, I've, uh, I would say, are showing um, the, the growing old of the Earth. Uh, if these were previous comets that have disintegrated, they're gone, and now sweeping up their debris. I think uh, it's just all a demonstration that the Earth is growing old, waxing old like a garment, as Scripture says, and uh, wearing down. And uh, of course, someday uh, the Lord will return and make a new heavens and new earth, because this present one is fading away.
0: And until that time, as Psalm 19 tells us, the heavens do declare His glory, and it's great to be able to watch all of these things happening, isn't
7: it? Well, it certainly is. It's part of the beauty of space. Yes, even in a a world that's uh, far from perfect, under the fall, under the curse— we can still see the beauty and the way the Lord has set up this whole system for our well-being. And uh, meteor showers are just another dramatic sign of God's presence and His control over all things.
0: Donna wants you to keep us in touch with you in any writing of articles or pamphlets or books or whatever, because we want to be able to promote that right here on Prophecy Today. Make them available in our Prophecy Bookstore now that uh, you've kind of laid aside some of your workload there at the college and will be freed up in your time of retirement. But we're not going to let you rest, buddy. We're going to keep you reporting on all of these exciting, heavenly events. And we're so glad you're available to us. Thank you, Don.
7: Thank you, Jimmy. Look forward to it.
0: Great conversation with Dr. Don DeYoung. Well, we're going to have to take a break right now. On the other side of the news at the top of the hour... We're going to have another of our broadcast partners, Dave James. He's standing by. We'll have our weekly conversation. That's all ahead, and I'll take a look at the book as well here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome back to Prophecy Today. Moving into the last half hour of the 90 minute broadcast, which we want you to give us each and every week so we can give you the world, our broadcast partners giving us insight into current events as these current events are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Would you do me a favor? Answer my poll question. It's on my website, prophecytoday.com. If you go there on the home page, scroll down the left-hand side, you'll find the question. Now, here's the question. The United States has passed a resolution that gives the official name of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem as the Muslim name for that site, Haram al-Sharif. The Bible calls this sacred site the Holy Mountain. That's used 42 times in the scriptures in some 19 verses. Does this set the stage then for Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 2, Jerusalem, the center of controversy in the last days, to be fulfilled? Now that's the poll question. If you will, please answer that question. It's at prophecytoday.com we now bring to these microphones David James. We have a weekly conversation right here on Prophecy Today, and we focus on an issue uh, that the body of Christ needs to understand from a biblical perspective. It'll help the Christian walk for each and every one of us, and that's why I enjoy having these conversations with David. David, uh, this weekend you're headed for Hungary, where you and your family were missionaries there with word of life for 16 years and by the way that's where your son and his family are now serving the Lord as missionaries as well is that correct
8: uh, that's right Jimmy you know i'm I'm really looking forward to teaching the students at the Bible Institute and this is the 25th year anniversary of when we first opened the school back in 1994. I'll be teaching Signs, Wonders, and the Charismatic Movement to the second-year students, and that's a course I've been teaching in one form or another for over 20 years. This will be a shorter trip this time around, and so I'll be getting back next Saturday evening, be home for a day, and then head to Chattanooga for the School of Prophets conference on Monday, where I'll be teaching God's plan through the ages once again, and then I'll be home for a few weeks until I head out to the Philippines again the first week in January.
0: Well, that's a great opportunity in all of those locations you're talking about. We're looking forward to seeing you here in Chattanooga, 1st of December. If you want information about the School of Prophets, go to my website, prophecytoday.com. There's a rotating banner at the top of the home page, and it'll come around and give you information about uh, the School of Prophets conference here in Chattanooga, the dates, which will be December the 2nd through the 5th, but also the location where we're going to be staying, where the conference will be held, what it'll cost you to come and join us. Or, by the way, you can get it through streaming video if you'd like to take it that way. So go to the website, prophecytoday.com. This is going to be a very important course for our students at the School of Prophets. David, for the last several weeks, Kanye West has been in the news on television and wherever you can read or hear the news, and he's been the subject of countless articles and discussions on social media. You would almost have to be living in a cave to not know about this and so maybe we're a bit late to the party Uh, but i don't think we wanted to jump on it right away we just wanted to stand by and watch and see the situation explain what's going on
8: sure well as i'm sure most of our listeners know kanye west is best known as a musician and for being married to kim kardashian Uh, He has a reputation for being egotistical and arrogant, something he put on display back in 2009 when he crashed the stage at MTV's VMA Awards with Taylor Swift as she was receiving her award for Best Female Music Video of the Year. But now, West says he's become a Christian, and throughout much of this year, he's done a series of performances called Sunday Service. His newest album, Jesus is King, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, and West has announced that going forward, he's only going to make gospel music. Uh, his wife, Kim Kardashian, has said that that album was instrumental in Kanye's, and I quote her, amazing evolution of being born again and being saved by Christ. And West also made a 38-minute IMAX Jesus is King movie of a Sunday service that was held in Arizona's Painted Desert. And then this past week, he took Sunday service to Joel Osteen's church, and I watched part of that service and the entire Q&A with Osteen, and afterward, uh, Fox News interviewed quite a few people who had been in the service, and they only had positive things to say. So to prep for our discussion, I've looked into Kanye's life and career, uh, focusing especially on this past year. I've read articles and blogs, and I've watched some videos, and I've also kept an eye on what people have been saying on Facebook. And I can say that Christians are very polarized over this, with some being excited and positive, while others range uh, from being skeptical to cynical, saying it's nothing more than a scam and a marketing scheme, but with most probably falling somewhere in the middle, being cautiously hopeful, and just waiting to see how this all plays out.
0: David, you just mentioned doing some research into Kanye West's background. So maybe that would be a good place for us to start, since most of our listeners probably do not know much about him.
8: Well, he was born in Atlanta and raised in Chicago after his parents were divorced when he was about three. Uh, His dad was a Black Panther in the 60s and 70s before he took up journalism, and he later became a Christian counselor. His mother was a professor, and when Kanye was in fifth grade, she took him to China where she taught for a year. And he says that he grew up in church going two to three times a week. During his career, he's been a rapper, a singer, songwriter, record producer, entrepreneur, and fashion designer. And uh, in 2009, the year of that incident with Taylor Swift, West was named top male artist of the year by Billboard magazine. Now at just 42 years old, he's won 21 Grammy Awards with over 140 million records sold worldwide, Mm. making him one of the best-selling musicians of all time. In 2013, West and uh, Kim Kardashian announced the birth of their first child, and they were married the following year. Then in 2016, he was admitted to the UCLA Medical Center for Psychiatric Observation and dropped down to the public eye for about a year. He's claimed to be a Christian going back to at least 2004, when he said in an interview... I will say that I'm spiritual, I have accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I will say that I fall short every day. Uh, But more recently, he said that he's had many problems in life and that he's served what he calls the gods of ego, money, pride, and fame. And he's also said that at one point he became addicted to opioids, and he's also talked about a serious problem that he's had with pornography.
0: David, uh, let's move on to what Kanye West has been doing and saying concerning what he says is his relationship with Jesus Christ.
8: Well, back in January, he began rehearsing for a series of performances called Sunday Service with a choir group, and those services include a combination of hymns as well as secular songs that have been rewritten with Christian themes. Uh, They've been holding these every Sunday since April, I think it is, at various venues all across the United States, including at his ranch out in Wyoming, on college campuses, even at the Forum in Los Angeles, as well as Adidas Headquarters, which I think is one of his sponsors. And then this past Sunday at Joel Osteen's church in Houston, uh, apparently West is being mentored by the pastor of Placerita Bible Church out in California, a guy named Adam Tyson, who who had this to say about his first meeting with uh, Kanye West. He said, I first spent about three hours just going through the gospel, making sure he understood clearly about the atonement of Jesus, that God is holy, that we're sinners, that Christ came to die in the place of sinners, and that by repenting and believing in him, we could have eternal life. And to this, Kanye responded, hey man, I told you I've been radically saved. I believe that message, and I want to get that message out to the world. Then going on, describing what happened in his life, whether has said, I was just under the weight of my sin. I was being convicted that I was running from God, and I knew I needed to make things right, so I came to Christ. I came out of darkness into the light. And even when someone cusses around him now, he's been known to say, hey man, you can't cuss when you're with me. I'm a born-again Christian. Then on November 4th, Fox News reported that a pastor who attended a Sunday service in the Baton Rouge area praised West, saying that over a thousand people raise their hands to commit their lives to Christ, uh, calling it a new wave of revival.
0: Hmm, very, very interesting. Well, it uh, probably would not be a surprise to anyone that know you and I, and we have serious problems with Joel Osteen's ministry and his message. But Kanye's been there. He got quite a lot of attention, didn't he?
8: That he did. Well, let's first talk about Osteen's Lakewood Church. It's a non-denominational mega church in Houston with around 52,000 attendees per week, and if you can imagine that. Uh, the church building itself was a multi-purpose sports arena from 1972 to 2003 and seats around 18,000 people, so they have multiple services each week. The church was founded by Osteen's father and was originally called Lakewood Baptist Church, and uh, Connie, West has been criticized for going there because of the Church's Word, Faith, Teaching, and what I would call Osteen's over-the-top power of positive thinking and prosperity message. And, and I want to make clear that I'm not defending either West or Osteen, but I think we also need to be honest and fair. As I mentioned earlier, Osteen and West had a Q&A at one point, and Osteen asked him, we've all seen, you know, something happen in the last year or so, not where you were back then. Maybe you could speak a little bit to the trans- transition, you know. How are you here today at Lakewood? And then uh, Kanye replied, well, I know that God's been calling me for a long time, and the devil's been distracting me for a long time. And when I was at my lowest points, God was there with me, and I remember sitting in the hospital at UCLA after having a mental breakdown, and then talking about the sins of addiction, he said, It's being in constant repentance. A lot of people don't want to accept what the Bible says because they don't want to accept that they're in the wrong, that they're living off of sin. And talking about schools, he said this, when you remove the fear and love of God, you create the fear and love of everything else. Mm -hmm. And near the end of the Q&A, Kanye said this, we know that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will be granted eternal life.
0: Wow, pretty pretty interesting statements. David, as we wrap it up for today, you mentioned that this has been a polarizing issue. Can you give us some examples of things that are being said and maybe some guidance for our thinking through these things as believers today?
8: Well, as I said earlier, there has been a lot of fairly strong reaction among both Christians and non-Christians from rejoicing on one end of the spectrum to vilifying him at the other end with a lot of people in between. Uh, the Daily Beast ran an article in October with the title, Kanye West, Jesus is King, is Fake Christianity at its Finest. And of that album, the article cynically says this, Now, we have what many expect to be West's first full foray into gospel, and, well, it just sounds like Kanye being Kanye with more scripture. And back in October, West apparently said, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, then you know the gospel. That's the the gospel. Don't be telling Mormons, got an extra book, and Catholics do this. It's simple. Christians, we'd be making it too hard for people to come and be involved in this. And then just a couple of weeks ago, West performed at the Astro World Festival in the Houston area, where Marilyn Manson also performed his hit song Antichrist Superstar so that's not good Uh, On the other hand, a lot of people are praising Kanye for turning his life around and being outspoken for the Lord, and they say young believers make a lot of mistakes, and so many are forgiving, at least for now, and personally, I'm probably somewhere between being cautiously skeptical and cautiously optimistic. Only the Lord knows the truth of the matter, but if I were discipling him, I would advise him to drop off the radar for at least a couple of years, learn the Word of God, and quietly serve the Lord out of the public eye, because Paul cautions people uh, in ministry or going into ministry don't be a novice because they can be puffed up with pride and fall into the common condemnation of the devil
0: well, and I do believe too that we need to lift him in prayer. I would hope and pray, I would like to be cautiously optimistic as well, David, that he does know Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour and has a desire for ministry, but as you say, he needs to get into the book and study. And let's lift him in prayer that God will direct his life if he's true. And we'll, we'll stand on the sidelines, continue to watch, and pray for him. David, thank you for this research. I think it's a topic we needed to discuss. It's right out there at the front of the media reporting. So we needed to be in a discussion on it as well. Thank you so much, and we'll have another conversation next week.
2: Okay, thanks
8: a lot, Jimmy.
0: We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'll open up the Bible. I said, let's go to the Bible. We'll do that. We'll take a look at the book right here on Prophecy
6: Today. Hey, everyone. This is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services And the courses for weekend conferences of six to ten hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on courses and seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website.
2: I look forward to hearing from you. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There, you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy Student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general, and specifically the last seven U.S. Presidents, to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C., and is available on DVD or as a 10 hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com.
0: It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. Our broadcast partners from around the world reported the details behind the current events happening, unfolding today, that assist us in understanding the times in which we're living. See, we go around the world, we go to any location to get the stories here on Prophecy Today, looking at these current events as they will be in the process of setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. That's why these broadcast partners are so key to our broadcast. If you missed any of the reports, please go to my website, prophecytoday.com, then go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. When you get there, you'll see that all of the interviews with my broadcast partners today have been archived and ready for you to be able to listen at your convenience. And do me a favor, if you will, you've got some friends or people you may know who are interested in Bible prophecy. They've not heard about our broadcast. If you will send them a note, an email or a text, let them know how they can get into our website, where to go to listen to these reports. It will enhance their understanding of the times in which we are living. Again, that address, prophecytoday.com. Go to Prophecy Today Radio Network, PTRN. There you'll find all the interviews with my broadcast partners on today's program. And today, let me go through the list of our broadcast partners. We talked with Ken Timmerman. Ken looks at all the international activities that are unfolding, geopolitical events, and reports us the details behind these events. In fact, Ken Timmerman on Friday, before we did the broadcast today, he was able to visit and have lunch with a United States congressman down in Florida, getting updated on what they are thinking about the geopolitical activities as they focus on Washington, D.C. today. Well, Ken reported about Iran. They're a major player as you look at them and Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 5, where they're referred to as Persia. Persia is modern-day Iran. And I want you to understand that when Ken was talking about Iran's missiles, unrivaled in the Middle East, he was talking about the fact that Iran, that Islamic State, is so powerful, they have weaponry, the best in the Middle East, and they're developing nuclear weapons of mass destruction. Even though there was a nuclear deal that President Obama put in place, and then Donald Trump departed from We understand they're continually making progress to develop that nuclear weapon of mass destruction. Iran, a real threat in the Middle East, to the European Union, and even to the United States. David Dolan had his Middle East News update. We had three major headlines from David, United States Policy Change on Settlement, Gantz, the opposition party leader in Israel, was not able to form a coalition government, and Prime Minister Netanyahu indicted for fraud and bribery. You need to understand how the political operation is unfolding, even in light of the indictment of Prime Minister Netanyahu. By the way, he's going to be able to continue on as the prime minister, and if they go to a third election, which will take place most likely in March— he'll be the leader of the caretaker government for Israel, and will have a great opportunity unless he's found guilty. He, by the way, claims that he's totally innocent, and that's why he's not going to resign from the position of prime minister. He's going to fight it out and prove he is not guilty. You see, we look at the activities of political leaders as they are helping make the decisions that will set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. That's exactly what we have done as it relates to what's going on in Israel. John Rood, he was in Bonn, Germany, not very far down the road from Brussels, Belgium, where he's lived for over 30 years. His purpose, of course, for being there, he was getting more information about the European Union so he could give us more insight when he comes to the table. This time we had a conversation about Brexit, which could cause the end of the British Empire. Well, that may be one empire that will fall. There's another one, the revived Roman Empire, which will come into place in the end times. Daniel chapter 7 verse 7 talks about the 10 horns. Verse 8 in Daniel 7 talks about the little horn. The 10 horns would be the revived Roman Empire according to Daniel 7 verses 23 and 24 and that little horn would be the Antichrist, all players in the end times. Ed Decker, a former Mormon who has come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, gave us the real story behind the murder of the Mormons there in Mexico. You need to hear this story, and as we reveal what the truth is on this murder of the Mormons in Mexico, you'll see that instead of being what many thought would, might be the martyrdom of Christians. No, Mormons are not Christians, according to the Word of God, uh, but they may well be a part of that one-world religious operation that will be headquartered in the city of Rome, Revelation chapter 17. And then Don DeYoung, he came, and we talked about the meteor shower that took place on Thursday. I went out to try to see the shower was too cloudy here where I was at that point in time, but some say it was an unbelievable, beautiful display of how the Lord's creative events on the fourth day of creation when he brought stars into place. He simply said four words, and the stars also. They appeared, and they've been in the sky ever since. And this meteor shower was simply a display of God's glory according to the book of Psalm chapter 19. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And as we look at creation, we can know then Bible prophecy is true, creation absolute, Bible prophecy absolute as well very interesting man. We talked about Kanye West and his Christianity. He claims to be a born-again Christian. David James and I discussed that possibility, and we exhorted you at the end to pray for him. A young Christian needs to have our prayers and needs to grow in the Word of God. Well, you can tell by my rehearsal of all of these conversations with my broadcast partners that each and every one of them gave us information as to how close we may well be to the next event that's going to happen. That's the rapture of the church. In truth, there is no prophecy that has to be fulfilled before the rapture. That is an event that could happen at any moment. And having said that, basically nothing left for me to say, except
2: let's keep looking up, until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.